a slow meandering affair. He wants to kick, he's gotta go now. With Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Rivich. Josh Kerr. David Rivich. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Rivich. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Sit and Kick podcast. I'm your host, and I guess only host, David Ribich. Um, If you're listening to just this episode, likelihood is you know who I am. And usually at this time, Josh does some wild introduction. And I tried to do that last time with Kate Grace, but there's no Kate Grace to steal the show. There's no Josh Kerr to throw some funny anecdotes. It's just me. So welcome to Davy Jones Locker. Welcome to the part of the show where you just hear me ramble and ramble about my predictions and my feelings towards all the men in the men's Olympic 1500 meter final and to be totally honest this is one of the most anticipated races i think of the entire championships and it's one that i personally am really looking forward to i'm not financially invested just emotionally physically everything i mean i'm getting up at the time I'm doing my little warm-up jogs, making sure, you know, I'm in my headspace with Josh because I want him to know that he's not alone out there. He's got you, he's got me, he's got the entire sit and kick community, hashtag chair section, going along with him, riding him till he dies. That sounds a bit weird. Um, usually I edit this out, but I'm just gonna let it roll. I'm just gonna let it roll and I'm gonna have a good time. Um, I just soundproofed my room in here. So if it sounds better than what it sounded like, on the previous recording, that is because there are blankets on the floor, there's a blanket on the door, and there's a blanket on the lamp right behind me. So if you like my sound quality, it's because I have a lot of blankets. So let's make a blanket statement here and say that this 1500 is going to be legit. I'm going to actually do a little bit of a reverse order. I'm going to open in with some of your guys' questions that you submitted because I think that's going to get me in the flow and in the rhythm of things a bit more than if I just started rambling about each individual in the actual meet. So I'm going to go ahead and start with um, first off. First off, I want to say it's easy, really, really easy for me to sit here in a blanket soundproofed room to talk about these guys in the 1500 meters. My statements aren't attacks. My statements aren't um, anything other than just objectively looking at the event. Like I'm not, I don't think I'll say who I think is going to win Olympic gold. Like I don't even know if I'll say who's going to podium because I truly, truly don't know. Like all these guys in this meet are kicking ass. And I think the commentators and the people that are analyzing the Olympics have been really, really harsh on those that just make the final or those that just get second and third. Like it's pretty much like go home, or win gold or go home. And like, yes, I totally agree with the mentality to be the best in the world, but what an accomplishment it is to make this 1500 meter final. I mean, the Olympic record was set in the round with Josh and multiple people, I think seven out of the, the 13 entries into the final have PR'd at the Tokyo games. So people are on their best mark right now. So if I make an opinion or I t have a take, like that's not necessarily factual and I'm not necessarily um, educated enough to make like these really ground decisions because my guy's Josh, obviously. And I think everyone has a case for everyone. Like this field is crazy. So just keep in mind that my uh, voice and the things that I say are strictly based off the research that I've done and just the things that I know personally about these people. So we're going to start it off. Who do I think is going to get fourth? Um, I feel like that's an easier pick um, than who do I think is going to podium, but I think it could be literally anyone in the field. The names that first came to mind are McSwain, uh, Ollie Hoare, Hawker, or Whiteman. I don't necessarily want any of them to finish fourth, but only three can medal. Um, I, I would love to see Whiteman also grab a medal along with Josh. Oh, here I am already talking about medals. All right, I'll slow it down. 
All right, Kenyan team tactics. Do I think those are going to get um, played into the championship? Absolutely. If you look at most of the major championships, whether that's 800, 15, all the way up to 10K, the Kenyans typically like to be on a front run. And if you look back on the 2017 World Championships where Timothy Chariot finished second, it was him and Menangoy out in the front and you had Asbel Kiprop in the back. Well, the, the pace started to quicken and Asbel covered that, but he covered it from the back to the front while Chariot and Menangoy ran 55. So in that tactic, Asbel actually fell off that pace and finished, I don't know, eighth or ninth, where if you look at most championships, like the 2019 championship, for instance, they went, Kenyans went to the front and they made it an absolute terror. And I think the reality of the situation is even if the Kenyan team tactics are go out hard, be at the front, these guys in this race are ready to rip. Jake Whiteman and... Stewie McSwain and Jakob Ingebrigtsen have all ran under 330. And that's that's no joke. The four men under 330 in this field. Josh is right there on the bubble. Ollie Hoare is right there on the bubble. I mean, Hawker just PR'd by two seconds. That's not to say you can't PR by another three and a half in the final because this is going to be one of those events where I think there's going to be a, a visible tactic at hand, but everyone's going to see it and everyone's going to take advantage of that. I think if the Kenyans go to the front, I think someone... I think a non-African will take the lead at some point after that lead is taken by the, the Kenyans because that's going to really, really shake up the field. And if Josh, let's say, makes a move with 800 out and he's now in the front or maybe McSwain wants to push the pace ahead of anyone else, like people are going to be able to do that and people are going to be able to respond. Um, so yeah, I certainly think there will be Kenyan team tactics, but I don't think it's going to necessarily be as successful as it has in the past. Um the men's 1500 meter UK versus US. Yeah, this is uh this is going to be Josh's topic. I'm sure when he comes back on, considering the UK solidified their spot with three entries in the men's final um, in comparison to the US of just one. Um, it's unfortunate what happened to Yared Nagus um, pulling out due to a quad strain. And then also with Centro being eliminated in the most recent semi round. Um, that's the next question that was prompted. We had a lot of Centro submissions about um, Centro and Josh, Josh still seven and zero, and those types of things. And like, I totally feel that, but now that I don't have Josh to really hype it up, I mean, guys, I got Centro's autograph. I said that last episode, the man has literally accomplished everything in the sport that I personally, and most of those guys in the field want to accomplish. And that's Olympic gold. So as much rag as we put on him, and as much, um, we, we tear him apart with some jokes, like all jokes aside, the guy's seriously legit. I mean, he ran three forty nine in an impromptu, uh, effort to try to go after Alan Webb's record. And He's doing good things for the sport in that regard. Um, we had some some pretty savage um, submissions about if you should spend more time running than on social media. And after the trials, he certainly went on a tear, calling people out, saying some people weren't world class. And you know, I'm not going to necessarily talk talk crap to him because I'm obviously a different level. It's it's apparent that he's on that level of he could have made that final. Um, he just didn't. His post race interview, he talked about his tactics. He talked about the maneuvering. And so he felt as though he was tactically out of it. Um, but he's fit, obviously. He ran 349s. And 349 converts to, if I'm doing my math really fast, that's going to be, God, why is it so hard to, to think? Oh, 18. I was trying to add 18 seconds to 349. So usually this is when someone says I'm dumb. Um, so that's like a 331 conversion. So with that in mind, like, of course, yeah, he could have made that final. Um, but no Centro, only Cole. So the UK does have three men in that. It'd be really, really brilliant to see the UK men actually do a team tactic since they have the most entries for uh, nationality with them being at three, um, Kenya being at two, and then also Spain being at two. So 
it could be really exciting in terms of those teams and, and looking at those kits, seeing how all those things are going to come into play. Um, another question submitted was Ollie Hoare versus Kerr first race since NCAAs. That is correct. This is the first time these two guys have lined up um, since their NCAA championships where Ollie Hoare took down Kerr. Um, that was 2018. So that's something to look forward to, I guess, if you want to watch a race within itself. I don't necessarily think that race is relevant when they're going for gold, but let's say Ollie Hoare wins gold or Josh wins gold. Um, yeah, that's that's when the money's made. That That's when the race really happens. So yeah, th that's going to be an exciting thing for both of them, um, but I wouldn't necessarily put focus on it. They have been dodging each other, it sound, It seems like, uh, since since that race. Um, where would you compare this 1,500-meter final um, to previous championships? Well, I did an absurd amount of research on this question because I was curious in this as well. And so for the 2016 Olympic championship, um, obviously, Central won it in 350.00 and that was actually the slowest 1500 meter win um, since 1932 they opened with a 66 second lap and then their second lap was a 69 so they went 215 through the opening quarter which is or the opening 800 which is slower than a majority of i mean that's slower than the 10k that's slower than the 10k qualifying time for tokyo i mean you have to run faster than that you have to run 65 average 66 averages to to earn that um 27 low um Olympic standards. So that's how slow those guys were going. They went 66, 69 and blaze of 50 last, last quarter. So um, in comparison to that tactic, um, that it's going to be very different this go around. Here's a crazy stat. There are zero returning Olympic finalists from 2016 to 2021. Now, let me say that again, zero returning Olympic finalists from 2016 to 2021 in 2016, there were eight of 12 returners from 2012. And that included the gold medalist McLuffy, the bronze to Abdullahi, Igadir, and fourth place Centro, fifth place Henrik, so on and so forth. So a lot of the returners from 2012 came back into the 2016 championships with experience of knowing exactly what that previous final played out to be. And then here we are in 2021, five years later from Rio, the Olympic champion gets knocked out and nobody in the field has made an Olympic final in the 1500 meters. That is epic. I mean, that, that's unprecedented. I'd be curious if you went down the entire stat sheet of the Olympic Games history and had a complete field being a new field. That's a stat I want you guys to look up. I could have done that, but I'm going to make it a little game for you. Look that up. And then we can we proceed from 2016 now into 2017, and we have the Kenyan team tactics here. That's what I was talking about earlier. At the front, we had Menangoy and Chariot. They went 60 and then 55 to end up running 333. So that final race was still slower than these prelims and semifinals here. And then since that race, Menangoy is the only man to outright beat Chariot other than the Kenyan trials where Chariot finished fourth. And it, sat, it seemed like Chariot was out of shape with that. Um, but keep in mind, he ran 328.28 at the start of a this campaign for the summer. Um, we moved to 2019. Um, Chariot was the only uh, leader in that race here in 329, 26, which is the in, in the championship. Sorry. Chariot ran 329, 26 in the championship. And that's only the 57th best performance ever. And it was the third fastest Olympic or world championship performance. Only returners from 2019 into this final are Timothy Chariot, Jakob Ingerbrutsen, Jake Whiteman, and Josh Kerr. So there are four guys because Marcin Lewandowski got out with a calf strain. You had um, Soliman, he was out. You have um, McGluffy, he, he didn't show up to Tokyo due to improper fitness 
you can make your speculations with that. I'm not going to jump down that rabbit hole, but only four returners and only one of them is a medalist. And that was Timothy Chariot for gold. Jacob was fourth. Jake was fifth. Josh was sixth. If my memory stands correct. So Timothy won in 329.26. It was a third fastest Olympic or world championship performance. Here's what I'll say now that I'm going to transition to each individual athlete in this Olympic final. The race is going to be one under 329. That's what statement that'll make. Who's going to do that? I have no idea, but I do not think this race will be one slower than 330. This is going to be, I think, the most exciting Olympic final, if not world championship final in recent history. So we're going to go down the descending order list. We have 13 competitors. We are going to start with the big man himself, Timothy Chariot. I know the big man's actually reserved for Josh. So we're going to talk about Tim. That's what his nickname is, according to Olympics.com. We're going to talk about Tim here, all right? Tim Chariot. He has some international experience. Obviously, we know who he is. We're going to run down some of his PRs. He's ran 143.1 in 800 meters, 328.28. That's his PR from this year. Uh, 349 for the mile. And here's here's the craziest statistic for him that I found. He's ran under 330 eight times, which is more than the entire field combined. So we can take that for for uh, for what it's worth that he's only lost two 1500 meters since the world championship in 2017. First was the final behind now band Menangoy for um, whereabouts failures. Secondly, it was May in 2019. He ran 332, also behind Menangoy. And then I guess there's a third loss, which was the Kenyan Championships. So if we look back at that championship for 2019, his strategy worked out because he was running on the inside and he controlled every um, every single round from the rail. Once the gun went off, he went to the front. He just controlled it, made, made, made it what it was. So with that being said, this go around in Tokyo, he has been second and third in his heat. In 2019, he won every heat that he was in. I mean, he rarely lost. He has a 10-win streak in the 1,500 meters for 2019. But this go-around, he got second and third in his heats. Now, for him, that might not be that threatening. But for anyone watching, especially his competitors, I think that makes him vulnerable. I think Cole Hawker may look at that and think, huh, I got him in the semi. Let's see how I can shape up with him in the final. Whether they're light years apart in fitness or experience or whatever, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, this is Cole's first international presence. But... If I were to get Centro or if, or if some of you guys were to get your, your competitors in a prelim, I mean, like, hold your head high. I mean, Josh will count that day in and day out as a win against Centro. When Josh was knocked out in the first round in 2017 and Centro finished dead last in that event, Josh says that's a win for him, and he's not wrong. So going into this, it's really, really peculiar that Timothy has let up two of those rounds to now go into this race. The clear favorite, certainly, um, but he's he's not undefeated at the games. He's had company, and I think he's going to certainly have company when it comes to that final. Some more things about Timothy is his slowest time over 1,500 meters since 2017 is 335.79. And then recently, he ran 328.28 in Monaco, and in it this self, he has ran 330, 332, 328. He has 15 Diamond League wins, and his ambition is to win a gold medal at the Olympic Games with his most memorable moment in the sport so far being the 2019 gold. So, obviously, this guy's legit. A quote that he has is, as a professional athlete, we must have the biggest goals and a vision of, for how to get there. Pretty cool. Now, the coolest part is his hero is Allison Felix. Yeah, so I'm not necessarily going to root for the guy. I got a big, big stock of uh, emotions into one of my compatriots. I think that's how I say it uh, in the field. So that's his stat sheet. We're going to move on now to Ignacio Fontes. And if I mispronounce these words, 
super, super sorry. I doubt any of these people will listen to this other than Josh. Um, and if Josh does listen to this, he'll probably be mad if I mess up and make this a bad showing. But we're going to go to Ignacio. He's from Spain. He's the one of two Spaniards in the field. Uh, he comes into the final with the widest ranges of outdoor PBs. He's only 23. But he's not to be overlooked at the sprint finish. He has a 49.05 400-meter uh, time on his IAAF profile and a 146.800 meters. However, I would say that his most impressive mark is that 333, which he ran on July 4th of 2021. Happy Independence Day, Spain. That's a U.S. holiday, but for you, it's Ignacio's PR. He has yet to win a major championship, but is, he's been competitive through this entire year, and he finished fourth at the 2021 European Indoor Championships. A nickname that he goes by is Nacho, and he's studying medicine actually at the University of Granada. Um, he's been coached by the same coach since he was 10, so it seems very good that the progression that he's had for the last 13 years with the same coach has been working for him. Don't, don't fix it if it's not broken. So when he's going to school, he talks a lot as well. This is Ignacio about how he combines athletics with studying to become a doctor. And in a quote that he has, he says, our sporting careers will eventually end. And then we have a whole life ahead of us in which we'll have to earn a living in another way. We cannot be expected to dedicate ourselves 100% to something that does not provide for us in the long-term future. Perhaps those who win Olympic medals can dedicate themselves 24 hours a day to being a professional athlete, but that is not my case. In medicine, you need to put in more hours in other degrees. Often I have to do without going to class and go to the library in the morning and be self-taught. Well, Mr. Ignacio, you are currently in the Olympic final where one of those medals can turn your professional athlete dream to a reality. Um, you might want to think about that. And with the ambition of you to compete at the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo, I can tell you that you have achieved that and you are now going to be in a race for a final. We're going to look now at number three. That's Ab Abel Kip saying his Olympic record of 331.65 is his personal best in that second round. And in the African Games, he was fourth in the 800-145-13, and he was on, strangely, a 4 by 100 meters in 41-28. Now, that's honestly all I could find. Every time I typed in Abel Kipsang for Kenya, um, the results would show a marathoner that's ran 207. If this is the same dude, I don't know if there's any marathoners that have ever been on a 4 by one in a marathon. So with, this, with that being said, I'm not really sure where to go from here. I'll say that he looked incredibly good in that second round with Josh. And he won that heat in Olympic record in 331. But I think that Olympic record will be the shortest Olympic record, Olympic record for the men's 1500. And that being only 48 hours. And when you listen to this, you're going to have 24 hours to listen to the um, episode. So let's try to get as many listens, as many views as we can. So send it to your friends, tell people what you think about me, you know, maybe text them said, man, this host is a, is a piece of shit, but he's doing a good job for the sport. So let's, uh, let's make sure we put our hands together for me and, uh, maybe Venmo me like a dollar for the, the hard work that I put in joking. All right. We're going to go on now to Luxembourg's athlete. His name is Charles Grethen. He's actually an NCAA product. He's 29. Uh, he PB'd in the semi and he was an NCAA athlete while at Texas state. And then later transferred to the University of Georgia, but he hasn't had a standout career. Um, if you go to Kyle Merber's tweets on, you know, obviously tweets are on Twitter. If you go to his profile, you'll see a large variety of Kyle's coverage of the Olympic Games. And I think what him, Chris Chavez, and Kitty Smag are doing right now for the sport are huge. They're doing a whole podcast series called Torch Talk. So if you want to listen to some people uh, talk back and forth about things and not just a a dude named Dave in a room full of blankets, um, talk about the events, you should head over there, listen to that. Yeah, from Kyle's tweets, I, I rambled. Kyle's tweets, um, it sounds like this has been light years ahead of his previous. Um, Charles for Luxembourg, he also trains with Marcin Lewandowski, um, who unfortunately we saw, the guy that, who limped off for uh, Poland. 
um, for Charles, his 800 meter bests in, uh, in college were 147 and his 1500 meter best was 349. And then it seemed like after the year of 2013, he began to heavily focus on that 800 meters. And to be honest, maybe that pause on the further distances gave him longevity because he's now at the ripe age of 29 at the games and he's competed in the semis and now he's going to the 2020 Olympic finals. So in 2010, he was the Luxembourg athlete of the year. And in 2021, maybe he can snag that 11 years later. So yeah, that's, that's Charles. He, he's certainly going to be a, a guy to look for he, his kit. I think it was in a, a speed suit. We're going to move on now to Mr. Jake Hayward of Great Britain, who was the third place finisher at the British championships. And I'm going to take a sip of uh, beverage. So Jake actually puts down his ambition is to win Olympic gold. And this is coming from a guy that's never made an Olympic team. I believe if he has made an Olympic team, I will, I will don't know what I'll do. Because usually that's where Josh interjects with some stupid bet of Venmoing Mark Scott $50 if I don't run a certain time and then I have to do it. So I don't know what I'll do if Jake Harrods made an Olympic team, but he was off the radar with some injuries and he's coached by Mark Rowland. And if you watch that British championship race, he solidified the question of excellence in the UK for the men's 1500 meters. I mean, he passed Charles Grice. He ran a race within a race. I don't know if he let go of that win um, to um, to guarantee his slot on the Olympic team because when Jake... Whiteman and Josh started to roll with Forner to go. It seemed as though Hayward kind of stood in the back and let the, let the big dogs kind of eat a bit. And then Jake picked up the scraps and that scrap was Charles Grice. Jake passes him, gets an automatic selection for the Tokyo games. And now here he is in the Olympic final. So in this season alone, he has PB to the 800, 1500 and the mile. And he's also ran 218 for the K. So I'm going to go ahead and say that he's legit. And regardless of how we race the UK championships, He's not going to be racing for third when it comes to his ambitions of winning Olympic gold in this upcoming race. He looked brilliant in the second round. I think he'll look brilliant in the final. I'll root for Josh's countrymen, um, but I'm not even, I don't know. Is Jake, I don't know if Jake is Scottish, um, but who knows? All right. We're going to keep on moving down to Jakob Ingerbritsen. And this spreadsheet is a lot. Um, I did a lot of research on him just to kind of gather um, some resource for me to know Hopefully at some point when we have him on for the podcast, I mean, Jakob Ingebrigtsen is one of the three brothers out in Norway. They're practically the Kardashians. You can go check them out on YouTube. Super, super cool and, and um, immersive stuff that they put on their YouTube channel. And I think that that is only going to help the growth, uh, the sport grow further. Some of the things that Jakob's um, accomplished, I'm just going to pretty much ramble a list of things is he's a three-time European indoor champion, two-time outdoor champion, two-time world finalist, four-time European record holder in the 1500 meters, 1500 meters indoor, the 2000 meters and the 5000 meters. He has PRs of 146. He has PRs of 450 for the 2K. That's crazy. That's actually crazy. I mean, he did that in Norway. I believe there was like a 2K champ, uh, meet against like Ingebrigtsen's in Kenya. You need to go check that out. He ran 450 for 2K. I think he went through in like 354 for the mile and closed in a 56 or maybe even something faster. He's ran 727 for 3K, 1248 for 5K. And his ambitions obviously is to win gold at the Olympics for the 1500 meters. He placed fourth place in the 1500 meters in 2019, dealing with rounds of the 5K. And that's enough for me to say that this guy is good. Obviously, he kicked my butt when we raced in Peyton Jordan in 2018. Shout out. He was uh, he annihilated that field of Centro, Chalimo, Craig. All of us were in there. I got last. Jakob got first. I shook his hand. Whatever. Um, 
he has run under 330 twice, which I would say like that barrier broke for him is is pretty good payouts of he's done it before he can he's prepared to do it again. And when you look at his progression from 2016 at the last Olympics, his PR in the 15 was 342. And now in 2021, his PR is 329. So crazy. Some more things about Jakob is he's coached by um, his father. I don't know how to pronounce his name, Gert, Gert. Um, but his brothers are Philip and Henrik, who are obviously um, world contenders and world medalists as well. Um, their coach and father admits to taking a very strict and dictator type um, lookout for training. And after the 2019 Diamond League meeting, Jakob and Philip were competing 10, 30, completing, sorry, completing 10 300 meter interval sessions at high speeds, finishing their session at 1 a.m. in Switzerland. One of the first displays of his impressive range, I think, came from the Norwegian Junior and Youth Championships in 2015, because in the space of three days, he won U16 titles at the 800, the 2K, the 1500 steeplechase, and the 300-meter hurdles. Some things that he thinks on for philosophy is he wants to be the best runner in the world and will do everything to reach that goal. Okay. If that's not my goal, then I don't think all the sacrifices are worth it to finish second. So with that being said, if you're thinking about a non-African taking the lead away from Timothy Chariot or um, the Asbel, I'm going to, or Abel kept saying, I'm going to go ahead and say Jacob is probably one of those contenders, non-African contenders to take the lead here. Here's my four. I think it could be um, Mick Swain. I think it could be Josh Kerr. I think it could be um, Ollie Hoare. And I think it could be Jakob Ingebrigtsen. I think those four guys have a legitimate shot of annihilating the Kenyan uh, race strategy of going out fast. Some more things. Uh, we don't need to spend so, so much time on Jakob, but this is actually really crazy. Um, so he's not the youngest person in the field anymore. That title goes to Cole Hawker, who we've had on the podcast before, and we'll certainly talk about um, here at the end of this. But Jakob is quoted saying, in quotes, I've been tr- running at uh, such a high level because I started from an early age. I'm probably going to peak between 19 and 22 because I've been training 15 years at the same level as a 30-year-old guy. I started doing the same mileage and amount of training as a guy 10 years older than me, end quote. That's crazy. He's blatantly saying he's going to peak between 19 and 22. I don't know about his longevity in the sport, but I think that really flips the script on what uh, commentators say when they say, they, they hold on to that crutch of, oh, he's only 21. You know, like, yeah, he is only 21, but he's now essentially in his prime the way that he looks at it. And maybe that means that he'll be done after this or Paris. You know, like he might not be a, an athlete that wants to compete for the long duration and go until he wins a medal. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But if he wins Olympic gold here in 2021, who's to say that he'll come back for uh, Paris 2024? You know, he's engaged. Um, He's got a dog. He plays video games. I mean, his entire life's ahead of him at the young age that he is. So for him to make that statement saying that he's probably going to peak between 19 and 22, I think is a testament to his outlook and the training that they endure as a team. So crazy. All right, we're going to move on now to Ollie Hoare um, for Australia. He hasn't actually ran slower than 336 all year, and he's coached by Dathan Ritzenhine, trains here in the United States in Boulder. So although he's representing Australia, he's also representing the U.S. soil. So I would believe that if there's someone for you to root for, root for Ollie. He's a friend of the podcast. He's actually been on twice, which is the only He's the only person in our podcast history to come on multiple times. And, and that's, oh, I guess Morgan McDonald did that. So I guess we're just, we have something with the Aussies. So root for the Aussies. Um, yeah, Ollie Hoare, he, he's kind of had a, a standout year. I mean, he wasn't 
originally slated to get selected by Australia. So he was pretty much running for his Olympic dream every time he got on the line. And from where I stand, I think he's one of the most genuine humans in the sport, to be honest. You learn a lot from who he is and kind of what he's like from Morgan McDonald's YouTube channel. So you should go check that out in your free time over the next 24 hours. But I think it's incredibly difficult to root against this guy. He's a graduate of Wisconsin. We have an episode with him. If you really want to know his character, listen to the episode in the next 24 hours. But he's a current Oceanic record holder in the indoor 1500 meters. And his outdoor 800 meter PB is 159. He has to run another one of those because that's not very good. Um, so Ollie Horror is definitely got a root for. He's ran 333, 333 front running. You know, we had the pace pirate Craig Nowak giving him those pace duties and Ollie Horror wins races at fast paces. Um, that rhymes really well. The race that he got second in this year was behind Jakobinger Britson in the Diamond League where they ran 336. That's his slowest race, but it was one of his most competitive. So I think that's really, really promising when you're looking at somebody that has potential to podium that's not slated to do so. We're going to now move on to Josh Kerr. Um, we talk a lot about the big man himself, you know, and we talk a lot about his rivalry with the Olympic champion, which he now improves to 7 no. But I want you guys to know that every time Josh has ever gone head-to-head with me in a 1,500 meters, he's won. He's won the race. We ran three 1,500s together. I've gotten like 8th, ninth, and 12th, I think is my standings. He's gotten first, first, first. So obviously if he doesn't win the the Olympic gold, it's because I wasn't in the race and I take full responsibility for that. I don't want you guys to look at Josh and think, ah, he got silver. Ah, he got bronze or whatever. And think he could have done better. He did everything he could. I just wasn't there to help him. So with that being said, Josh has PRs of 145, 35 and 800, 217 for the K, 331 for the 1500 meters, which is the North American soil record. And he ran that pretty much solo. And I think he went through 1,249. And with that, I think that that is where, I think through 1,200 of this race, it's going to go through between 248 and 251. And the fact that Josh was able to do that solo, still close at a pretty remarkable pace. I think that's really, really promising for his odds to win. Man, that's weird to say. Um, But He's only ran 835 for 3K, so obviously he's not strong enough. And his two 5Ks that he's done are just, you know, send-off events that kind of happen randomly. So I think I could take him that event. I guess there's no one here to defend him, so I could really just keep rolling on Josh. Um, You know, if anyone has peanuts in their pockets at the Olympic final, that's not going to be good for Josh. Um, If anyone has a razor and they shave his neck beard, you know, maybe that's where his superpowers lie. That'd be really bad for him. But one thing is for certain is Josh will have a call room and he will have a chair. So he will be sitting and he will be kicking. Um, I think that this race is going to go out remarkably fast. And I think that last hundred meters, there's going to be an array of athletes with vision of Olympic gold. I think there'll be some blowups. I think there'll be some good contentions, but I think when it comes down to the last 150 meters, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on the start line with the potential to win. I legitimately think Josh is one of those guys. I'm not going to outwardly say that I think he's, well, I think he could win. Yeah, I think he could win. Will he win? I don't know. But I certainly believe he can win. And I think one of the coolest things about me saying that is I'm not going to say that, I'm not going to accuse anyone of doping. I'm not going to say anything um, for people's tests or whatever. Like with 100% certainty, watching Josh achieve these types of things gives me hundred percent confidence that I can also do that as a complete clean athlete. 
you know, you look at some people's marks and you look at some people's achievements and you think that's so out of this world or how can they possibly do that? And you question, you're like, what's going on here? Are they doing borderline things? Or are they taking supplements that they don't actually need? Are they actually doping? You know, like you don't know people's training, but I know Josh Kirk's training. I know everything he does because I see his training plan. And I might not sleep in the same bed with them and I don't wake up at 6 a.m. to go jump in a nice tub every Wednesday. But I know what this man does to prepare for these types of moments. So when you look at the sport that is so often ridiculed for doping violations and things like that, have faith in Josh Kerr that he is a clean athlete and he's an athlete that's going to be able to put on a show every time he steps on the line. It's remarkable the things that he does. And I know that when we get our blood tests, I love like comparing our blood levels because Josh is a freak. He's truly a freak of nature. And I think the fact that his older brother and dad were rugby players is a testament that this dude is just strong. I mean, he's called the big man himself. Like he knows, he knows his strengths. He knows his weaknesses. And the thing is, is he works on those weaknesses until they become other people's weaknesses against him. That's pretty cool. So if you wanted to root for someone with hundred percent certainty that they're clean, that they're doing everything the right way, that they're an absolute genuine asshole. That's Josh. Josh is a genuine asshole. He means well, he might not always be nice, but he means well. And I think it's so cool to see the, the sacrifices and the things that he makes. Cause I mean, this man's trained in the U S through the pandemic. I mean, he hasn't seen his granny. I think he calls her his granny. So I'll call her granny as well. He hasn't seen his granny. He hasn't seen his family. His brother announced that they're having a baby. Like there's so many things that got put on hold for Josh to pursue his Olympic dream and for his family to support him that I truly, truly want him to win and succeed and be proud of himself, proud of himself. That's all I want. At the end of the day, I want Josh to be proud of his effort. If that's gold, if that's somewhere else on the, on the standings, I want him to get done and know that he did everything he could. Cause you look at that first round, Josh wasn't proud of himself. Josh sat there shaking his head. And then after the second round this morning for by the time you listen to this, it'll be yesterday morning. Josh gets done feeling himself clapping, nodding his head. Like, I think he said, thank you to the track. Like, I, I was in the text message thread with them and I just screenshotted what I sent to him in 2019. And all it was, was what are you going to do about it? That was on October 3rd, 2019. And then on October 5th, I said, what are you going to do about it? And that was a saying that we always told each other in 2019 leading up to his first world championship final was, what are you going to do about it? And so I sent that to him. I told him, you know, the drill. And all he replies is put on a fucking show. And I said, and that you did. And I'm not going to tell you what he said back because this man is bad to the bone. So just get ready to get your money's worth on Saturday. All right. That's what I'll say for Josh. I'm super, super proud of him. I'm super, super thankful for the position that, that I can be in to host a podcast with him and continue to inspire the next generation of athletes, podcast listeners, literally anyone. It's super, super incredible to be able to do that with him. I'm not going to gas him up. I'm going to actually end this on a banter question. Languages spoken on his Olympic bio are English and Spanish. This man can't speak Spanish. We sat there and he tried to speak Spanish. It was not very good. His girlfriend can sp speak Spanish. She's bilingual. Josh cannot speak Spanish. So next time you see him, if you can speak Spanish, speak Spanish to him. See what he does. He'll freeze. He'll shake in his boots. Don't let this man deceive you that he's bilingual. All right, moving on too long on Josh Stuart McSwain Stuart McSwain is a three-time Oceania record holder in the 1500 meters the mile the 3000 meters and according to the IWF Stewie's 800 meter PR is 201 so him and Ollie Hoare with a PR of 159 in the outdoor eight have a real big shot of PRing next time they go around It'd be a great race between the two of them so he needs to chop that down without a doubt but his other PRs 
Holy Toledo, Batman. He's ran 329 for 1,500 meters. Stewie's ran 348 for the mile. He's ran 728 for 3,000 meters. That's running 230Ks back to back to back and a little bit faster. He's ran 27.23 for 10K, 13.05 for 5K. His ambition is to win Olympic gold, uh, win Olympic medal at the 2020 Olympic Games and set Australian records. So far, he's honestly done a lot of that, and he thinks about one of his most favorable memories um, in the sport, and that was being a Kipchoge pacemaker. He said that when they were warming up just before they started, he came over, a.k.a. Kipchoge. Kipchoge came over and wished him luck. And apparently... Stewie was like, man, I've got to run five kilometers and you've got to run 42. I should be saying good luck to you, mate. So with all that, Stewie actually wanted to be done. He said that when I started training with Nick and Melbourne Track Club, I was at a crossroads where I was close to maybe leaving the sport and focusing on university studies. Well, I can tell you that thank God Stewie didn't because Stewie has been a remarkable athlete that's constantly fought for victories in diamond leagues, whether that's from 5k all the way down to 1500 meters. And when you look at his 1500 meter profile, the most success that he's had throughout like the longevity of his career and consistency is actually in the 1500 meters. He he's done a lot over the other distances and he's raced them very well, but his most consistent high placing finish at diamond league throughout the world is in the 1500. So he's certainly going to be a guy that I think is in contention. We're going to go down to McCall or Adele McCall from Spain. Guarantee I don't know how to pronounce that right. He PB'd in the semis. Um, he's the indoor, indoor European medalist for both a gold or for all three. Actually, he has a gold, a silver, and a bronze. And here's a stat that I think is overlooked. He was the fourth place finisher at the world championships in 2017, over 1500 meters. He missed out on a medal by 0.2 and Philip Ingerbrigtsen dove across the line to get that. Philip was kind of going backwards. Adele was moving up. So some would argue, even though at the age of 30, he's out of his prime, but a counter to that is the fact that he just PR'd in the 1500 meters. With his versatility at multiple disciplines, he may be a sleeper pick to sneak into contention. And he certainly flies under the radar compared to the names of the competitors, which is why I actually think he's an incredible dark horse. I don't necessarily know where he'll finish out, but his PRs range from 332 for 1500 meters and 62 minutes for the half marathon. So... Adele McCall, Michiel, I think he's a sleeper pick, maybe not to medal, but to put himself in contention. And I think that's really going to be a deciding factor of who makes this podium, who wins this event, is who's clear of traffic. Because as we've seen in every single round and every single race, is no one's going anywhere. These groups are tight at the front. No one's a clear favorite to just like drop the rest of the field. People are tight and people are positioned. So when it comes to these random contenders that are in contention for a high finish or a podium, they could easily be in that position that a different competitor wants to be in. And that could be the difference between a competitor meddling and a competitor getting maybe even ninth or 10th. If you get 10th in this final, that is still remarkable. All right, moving on to Jake Whiteman. I bet this will piss Josh off, but I'm going to lead off with Jake Whiteman was named the British male athlete of the year for 2020 by British magazine. He was a 2020, um, he won the 2020 John Ronda award for male British athlete of the year. Um, awarded by the British Athletics Writers Association. So cool things about Jake is he's coached by his dad. Um, he's coached by his dad, who also is the announcer for a lot of the races. So when Josh and Jake were battling down to the line, it was Jake and Josh, not Drake and Josh, like the Nickelodeon channel, the better version, Jake and Josh fighting to the line. Jake's father was actually announcing that race. And apparently on the start line, Jake's father goes, 
and Jake Whiteman has yet to win a senior championship. You know, like that's, that's pretty funny coming out of your dad's mouth. I don't think my dad could objectively announce a race. I think he's too invested. I don't think my dad even watches races. I think he goes to the meets, turns around and just kind of bites his hand and, and just says like, get out, David, get out, David, or something like that. So for your father to announce your race, I know he's announcing the races in Tokyo as well. So with that, like success is in the family with Jake. And I think it's very cool that he's been, he is coached by his father. Um, and a quote that Jake has, he says, it's about structure and trust, which works for us. I've never felt the need to change a coach. It's always going to have a little problem at points, but he says, you're able to say more or you're willing to say more than you would otherwise. And I think that's very true. He said, he's grown up with his dad announcing my races and it's always been nice to run well when it's, when that's the case, but I tend to phase it out. Now the irony is that dad's place in Tokyo is already booked. He will be the stadium announcer. I'm the one who's got the work to do. I thought that was a really cool quote because it just shows that, yeah, although um, they're both in Tokyo, his dad's job is solidified. But Jake Whiteman himself, he's got to come back and he's got to run a good time. Something to note is Jake Whiteman was actually off the medal stand in 2019 just barely. And he was a small cue into the final. I believe that he was the last one into the final. But Jake has PRs of 144 for 800, 216 for 1500, or 216 for the 1K, 329 for 1500 meters, 352 for one mile. Eh, he's a 30, 29, 10K. So this guy's obviously not crazy good, but we had him on the podcast. Jake's a friend of the pod. He's a good dude. You could listen to that event even. You could listen to Ollie Hoare, Cole Hawker, Jake Whiteman throughout the entire day tomorrow or today for you to gear up for that final. So Jake's legit. Jake's a legitimate contender. He won a diamond league earlier this year. He's never won a senior championship, so that's, but that's not to say that he couldn't win a global medal, if not win the entire damn thing. I'm still going to put my great Britain money on our other Scottish friend, Josh. And I will also say that it was really cool to see both of them very supportive of each other at the UK championships where Jake posted a photo, a young photo of Jake and Josh, not Drake and Josh, Jake and Josh. What am I saying? Jake and Josh. What did I say? Drake and Josh? No. Anyway. A really young photo of the two of them. It was super cute. Josh looks about the same. Jake looks about the same. And they've been competitors ever since. Now we're going to go to the likes of Cole Hawker for the U.S. And in December, Cole Hawker was the name of our freshman who raced Centro to the line of Heat 2 and then started a bunch of social media bullshit. And then we actually inflamed it. We we're kind of like, you know, those like bellows or those fans that kind of just like get flames going. That was us. We already saw the flame. We saw the ignition and we're just like... <laughs> We just blew on it a little bit and that thing ignited like a forest fire. And then we got to blame for it, which, yeah, yeah. But when we look at that, ultimately, Central won that race in that 5K, but I would say that Cole has the last laugh. I mean, he's legitimately put himself in contention to medal. And I think that he's one of the biggest sleeper picks. And there's an interview that he did and he said, you know, I went into the NCAA championships thinking I was going to win and I ended up winning. I went into the... And he's like, I'd never done the NCAAs before. He said, I've never done the USA trials before. And I went into that race thinking I could win it. And I won it. I'm going into the Olympic games with that same mentality. And as of late, Cole PRing with a 333 in that round, he is legit. He was a guest on the Sit and Kick podcast. He ran 350 for the indoor mile behind Cooper Tier. And then he went on to break the NCAA record for the DMR, the NCAA indoor champion in the mile and the 3K. And then at the outdoor championships, he gets the 1,500-meter NCAA gold. He was fourth in the 5K. And then above all else, he wins the Olympic trials in the men's 1,500 meters. If you would have put money down on this guy 
I'm not even going to say kid, even though he's the youngest competitor in the field, younger than Jakob, he's a guy, he's a man. If you were to put money on Cole Hawker winning the U.S. trials in December, you would have been a billionaire. You could have afforded a private jet to Tokyo jo- uh, to yourself, and you could have just been sitting in the stands in, in, in an absolute box suite. He was not contender at all. But all of a sudden, he rises through the ranks, and after he came onto our podcast, I don't know, he's the headline. The headline for American track. And I'm going to go ahead and read. This is this is literally the stat sheet that we had for him. I'm going to read what we had for him when we brought him on to the podcast. It was, today we're sitting and kicking with the hottest topic of track and field from fast times to pop and post. There is no lack of attention. Rightfully deserved. He could be the new Chez of Oregon. It is, of course, Goldie Hawks, Mr. Cole Hawker. Well, since then, I would go ahead and say that that bio could be a lot longer and I will put him ahead of Chez. You want to fight me on that? Fight me in the DMs. But I would say Cole Hawker is a more memorable NCAA Oregon athlete than Chez. Reasonings: Phil Knight backed that statement on the Kitty's Mad podcast and said that his favorite runners are Cole Hawker and Cooper Tier. And for the Nike developer, Nike one of the Nike founders to say that, sheesh. All right, and then finally we have McCall Rosmus. And the funny thing about Recall or uh, Rosmus is that. He looks like the Peaky Blinders character um, that is the gypsy. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I'm not going to do any spoil. Actually, I'll just do a spoiler because if you haven't seen Peaky Blinders now, who knows if you'll ever see it. Abrahama Gold. It's Aiden Gillen is the actor. Aiden Gillen has this really thin mustache, and this is exactly what this guy looks like in the final, McCall Rosemus. So some facts about him is he outleaned Josh for that final auto spot in round one, and then he lost a shoe in round two, and now he gets protested into the final. So there's not a lot of stats on him, but he's a very fast dude. He's around 116 for 600 meters and 145 for 800, 217 for a K and 334 for the 15. So he's not to be someone that's um, discredited for the final. But the reality is I just talked about 13 guys, 13 guys, and the slowest PR is under the Olympic standard. And the fastest PR is 328 and only one, two, three, four guys have gone under 330. And I think it will take under 330 to podium to podium and i do think that these guys are ready to do it you know i i haven't um built a close on this episode i'm gonna just kind of let it go naturally but to the back i will say that i think a contender i think one of the top six athletes that you would think of in this field is going to finish close to the back not because of anything other than missed tactics misplays because i don't think you can make mistakes in this round i think that to be on the podium to win Olympic gold. You have to run the best race of your life. And seven slash, I think eight of these guys in this event have PB'd at the Olympics. So that's nuts. Everyone's on their game. If you look at the field, actually one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 11 of the 13 athletes have PB'd in the year of 2021. 11 of the 13 guys are in the best shape, the best race fitness that they have ever been in their entire lives. And they're doing it now all together in an Olympic final. 11 of the 13 guys are ready to roll. The other two guys are also ready to roll. So I'm not going to discredit them, but 11 of 13 guys are the best they've ever been, period. And I think this is going to be the best 1500 meters ever, period. 
I'm invested. You guys are invested. I've been getting a lot of screenshots of the money that you guys have put down and what a reckless amount of money that you guys are betting on Josh. I think it's brilliant. I'm not going to do it, but I think that if there's someone to pick, you got to pick the guy that's hosting the podcast that you love because that makes you more invested. That makes it to where we all win. And let me say this. If you win money, if Josh wins Olympic gold and you win money, you better put some of that back to the pod. You better come back and buy a shirt. You better buy your girlfriend a shirt, your boyfriend a shirt, your mom, your dad, your granny, everyone a shirt. You might as well send a shirt to Timothy Cherry out if Josh's win because if you make money off Josh, you better give that mother, you know, back to us. So I appreciate you guys listening to David Jones Locker episode. I sat here alone, kind of sweated a bit in my own seat, but I'm sitting here in Seattle, Washington getting ready to watch one of my best friends run in the Olympic final. And I couldn't be more proud of him. Couldn't be more proud of where this podcast has gone. We're over a hundred thousand listens and over the Olympics, we've gotten a lot more listens and I hope that trend continues from here on and hereafter. A slow meandering affair. He wants to kick. He's got to go now. We're with Josh Kerr. All right, here David Ribbage. Josh Kerr. David Ribbage. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest C2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Ribbage.